the problem here is, you know, and, and this comes from a little bit of reflection on my own experience, I have a problem with one of these, and I want to sort of argue this a little bit. Hey, welcome to episode 21 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At Advantage Strength, we help people from ages 35 to 65 to live more, play more, and feel stronger than ever before so that they can stay active with their family and friends and get back to doing the things that they love to do. This show is sort of an extension of what we do at the gym, and uh, this is a, a show that's specifically for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who wants to live a more active life, uh, stay active with their family and friends, and do the things that they used to do. It can be really frustrating once, once you hit uh, 35, 40 years old and you start feeling those physical declines. Um, this show is specifically for anybody who's starting to feel that way, uh, and we're going to be tackling topics about how to keep yourself uh, motivated, how to keep yourself healthy, and how to keep yourself moving for as long as you want to be active. So today there's no guest with me. Uh, there's just one thing that I wanted to address, one, one topic. And I think this is something that uh, came from, well, I was out on a walk and tend to do a lot of my best thinking on a walk. And um, so I was sort of reflecting on some things and this sort of came to me and became really apparent um, and so today we're going to be talking about the major flaw in goal setting. And I think for, for such a long time, as long as I've known, uh, you know, corporate goal setting type, uh, business goal setting type stuff, there's always one way that they suggest that you, you create goals. And that is, uh, they use this SMART framework, S-M-A-R-T. So the S is specific, M measurable, A attainable, R related, and T is timely or time-bound. Um, and so when you, the idea here is that when you create a goal, that not only you're saying, well, I want to do this, you're also making it so specific that you, know, you should be able to say, like check the box, is it, did I do it or did I not do it? And so uh, something like get better at hockey wouldn't necessarily be a very specific goal because what does what is better you know it's it's sort of tough to tough to um, measure that okay so that's you know specific you want to know exactly what you want to attain what your what your goal is um, you know with a number or a level or something uh, measurable you know some way to say yes or no did I accomplish this goal attainable uh, you know you want to pick something that is within the realm of of your imagination, I guess. Uh, if you said, you know, in, within three years, I want to be a leprechaun, uh, that may not be attainable for you. Um, and then related, you know, something that's related to your field, related to, you know, the direction that you want to go. I've never really understood that one. I think they just needed an R uh, to, to put smart together. Uh, so I've never really understood that. I don't know why you would chase goals that are not going in the direction that you would want to go. But uh, I'm not the one who came up with it, so I can question that, I guess. Uh, and then time-bound or, or timely. This I get, you know, so by the end of the year, I want to blank, right? And then you know uh, when it comes to the end of the year, uh, when it comes to December 31st, you can say, you know, is, is this, have I met my goal or not? Okay, so all these things sort of work together to be a framework for you to set effective goals. 
the problem here is, you know, and, and this comes from a little bit of reflection on my own experience, I have a problem with one of these, and I want to sort of argue this a little bit. I have a problem with the attainable part, the, where it says that your goal should be attainable um, slash realistic. A lot of times you'll see, you know, attainable slash realistic in that. And so my issue here is, and, and this stems from, like I said, one thing that came to me while I was out on a walk, um, and I had one of those moments of clarity about, you know, my playing career, uh, and I know this is kind of a sample size of one, but uh, this is just my story, but I know there are others out there who could be in this same situation, so I want to make sure that you aren't selling yourself short. Whether it's a fitness goal or a, or a career-based goal, whatever kind of goal you're setting or whatever you have in mind for yourself, I would like to argue to leave uh, attainable out of the out of the goal setting process. I think attainable, you automatically um, take yourself down. So you might be, maybe you have big dreams, maybe you want to take a, a big shot at something. But then when you see that attainable as part of the framework, you might dial that back a little bit. Um, my story is, and I remember, you know, very distinctly the moment that I decided that I wanted to play college hockey. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, and of course, that's uh, where Notre Dame is. And I remember being in eighth grade and going to a Notre Dame hockey game, which we did frequently. We had season tickets. So we saw a lot, I saw a lot of college hockey being played and that, you know, the atmosphere and um, just the idea, I guess, of playing Division One hockey was was super appealing to me. And I remember very distinctly being in a Notre Dame game one day and being like, and thinking to myself, this is what I want to do. This is, I, I will play Division One hockey. And I sort of set my sights at that point. Um, and so this might be sort of like a realistic goal, right? Uh, maybe at the time it seemed out of, uh, you know, not, it would seem like I didn't have a shot at that because I was, you know, playing double A hockey in South Bend, which is kind of like, you're not really on track to, uh, be playing Division One if you're at that place. But what ended up sort of transpiring was I had my, I had my end goal in mind, which was to play Division One hockey. And from there, we started counting back. Okay, if I want to play Division One, um, I need to be. You know, by the time I'm a junior or senior, I need to be here. Which means by the time I'm a sophomore, I need to be here. By the time I'm a freshman, I need to be. Here, so you start counting back, and uh, once I got set on that path, I, I sort of went on that path. You know, I played my freshman year uh, still at you know double A double A hockey. Exposed myself to as many camps and tryouts as possible. Didn't actually make any of them. Um, so, but at that point, it was still about just getting the exposure and uh, learning to play with better players. Then kind of the biggest move for me was my sophomore year in high school, I'd, I made the decision to go away to school. So I went to a boarding school. Um, it was basically a hockey decision, but ended up being an incredible life decision for me. So that that all worked out, but it was putting me on the path, you know, that I needed to be on to play Division One hockey again, which was my ultimate goal. And, you know, fast forward through two years, three, three years at boarding school and, um, you know, multiple tournaments, 
different love playing at different levels at that school. Um, I think because of my size, um, if we, you know, if we haven't met, I'm, I'm six, seven and, um, was a reasonably good skater. And I think there's a lot of, <clears throat> there's a lot of teams that are willing to take a chance on that. Um, just in case I pan out. Uh, so, you know, fast forward through a year of basically varsity level hockey and then two years of prep level hockey. And finally, senior year, got my opportunity to play Division I hockey. And so I went to Miami University, played Division I hockey there on scholarship, which was ultimately my, my goal, my dream. Um, I, was, I was literally living my dream when I was in college. One bonus that happened while I was in college, I was drafted to the NHL, and, and the way it works in hockey is if you're in college and a team drafts you, it's based on your birth year. So my freshman year, I was drafted, and then that team that drafts you has three years to do something with your, with your rights as a player. So usually they'll let you finish out your college career, unless you're like a superstar, which I wasn't. Um, they'll let you finish out college and then... Uh, they'll sign you after that. So it's usually, you know, three years. You get to finish up school, and then once you finish up school, they'll sign you from there. So lived my dream uh, for four years, had the bonus of being drafted to the NHL, um, which is great, you know. And, and I think had I had my sights, I, I had my sights set basically only on college hockey. And so that for me, I was like, I, I won, I did it, I reached my goal. The thing that I failed to do, I think, was kind of go back through and reset some goals or, you know, at least visualize myself in another, in another role or taking another step. Because what happened was um, everything else from that time ended up being bonus. So when I went, um, my first year pro was a lockout year. So there was no NHL. And so that means, you know, uh, a good handful of NHL players sort of trickled down to the American League, which is the the league that feeds the NHL. And so my my shot of making the team right out of right out of college was pretty challenging. Uh, ended up happening. So I, I made the team in Chicago, which is in the American League, the year of the NHL lockout. So sort of, I guess, beat the odds there. And at that point, I was sort of playing with house money and was feeling like, well, this is sweet. You know, like, I can't believe this. This is so cool. There's, you know, NHL players. I recognize those players. I'm playing against these guys now. And for the next, you know, seven years, I played in the American League and multiple times had the opportunity to make the jump to the, to the National Hockey League, the NHL. Um, had chances with Atlanta, who drafted me, and then Columbus, who I went to a training camp with. But I think because my the original goal that I set was to play NCAA hockey, and after that, everything else was sort of bonus. So I remember this distinctly, going out um, to training camp in Columbus, and there were players out there like Sergei Fedorov and Mike Pekka and all these legendary NHL players. I was on the same ice with them, and playing with them, but instead of instead of seeing myself as an equal or seeing it as like there being another step to go uh, to get to this to my dream level, which would ultimately be the NHL. It's it's the highest level you can play in hockey. Instead of my goal being that, my goal was still like I hadn't revisited things, and my goal was still back in the at the NCAA level. So instead of 
thinking to myself, I'm going in here to earn a job. Um, I was going in here like, wow, this is so cool. Like, look at, like, look who's on the ice with me. This is amazing. I can't believe I'm out here. So I, I was almost taking it as more of like a spectator role rather than something where I was really going in to, to get a job done and, and to accomplish a goal. Um, so I think the, the fatal flaw there for me was in the beginning, I think it, I had set my sights on NCAA hockey because that's what I was most exposed to. But I think back then, if I would have said, I want to play in the NHL, I don't know, I don't know what would happen, I guess. But my point is, I think the problem with setting attainable goals or what you think is attainable, you really have no idea what's attainable for you. You don't know, you know, what the circumstances are going to be. No one really knows. Like in hockey, at least it, it takes one person to believe in you. And it takes that one person to say, let's give this guy a shot. Um, and I think I had that benefit of the doubt and which is the reason I, I was able to stay in Chicago for so long, but it takes one person and, and I would assume it's the same in, especially like think of something like music or comedy or some sort of performance where one person if the right person hears you or sees you, then your circumstances have changed dramatically. So to create a goal that's attainable, you don't know what's attainable for you. So why not set it at your ideal level, like where you absolutely 100% want to be, regardless of whether you think it's attainable or not. Um, because then you don't have to readjust, you don't have to readjust your sights and, and, you know, come up with a new goal. And so I think that's my biggest problem is that when you have a goal that you think is attainable, you know, sometimes you under underserve yourself. And I, and I think I did that to a certain extent, but I don't want you to make the same mistake where, you underdo it. I mean, if you, it could be anything. It could be a weight loss goal. It could be a performance goal. Like I want to be able to run a half marathon in, you know, the next two years. So, you know, maybe you, that seems attainable. Maybe that seems unattainable to you, but if it's what you want to do, just set that goal. I think the, some of the best advice here comes from Ari, Ari Weinswag at Zingerman's, um, and they teach a, visioning course. So instead of like really goal setting, they, they teach a visioning course, which is, encourages you not only to like use the words and use that framework, uh, or not just to use the framework, you know, making things specific and measurable and attainable, related and timely, but they teach it in a way where it's almost like a story that you're telling yourself. And that story has emotion. It does have kind of time limits um, and they're famous, you know, they're famous for their Zingerman's Vision 2020. Um, and so they, theirs, I think, was like seven years out when they created it. Um, but they encourage you to put in as many details, as many feelings, as much emotion as you possibly can as you're writing this thing out. Um, and, you know, of course, theirs is like nine pages long, but you can do it with really anything in your life. So instead of setting goals that just seem to be words on paper, and especially goals that are attainable. Think about creating a vision for yourself, a vision of what it looks like to be you in the future, what it feels like to be you in the future. The the thing that you're looking to create or the the task you're looking to accomplish, picture yourself accomplishing that task, what it looks like to have accomplished that task, um, what your life is like, what a day in your what a day looks like for you. Um, as much as much detail and as much feeling as you can put into that. I think is just a much richer way 
to to create sort of your future rather than setting goals and um, setting goals and especially attainable goals. So I know that that's a, a personal story, but I share it with you not because I think my story is that interesting, but because I don't want you in the future to set yourself up to reach an attainable goal. Or at least if you do reach that attainable goal, I want you to be able to regroup and set another goal. Um, but I, really, I think the vision is is the way to go here. If I had, you know, back in the day when I was in eighth grade, if I had pictured myself as an NHL, as an NHL player, I had there's no doubt in my mind that it would have happened. Um, you know, I was in a pretty good, pretty good spot, but you know, lots of, lots of other things happen in a hockey career, but I won't, I won't, uh, go into those. But I think the reason that I didn't end up there is because I set my goal too attainable and didn't readdress it once I got there. Um, you know, I, I was just kind of kept getting bonuses out of it and wasn't really driving forward anymore. So keep that in mind. I feel like that's sort of the fatal flaw uh, or the major flaw in just plain old goal setting. I think it lacks emotion. I think it it's too down to earth. If you want to do something, you have no idea what can what is going to transpire, what can happen, what you can do, unless you set your goals. Um, I want to say, oh man, I could be I could be screwing this up, but I want to say it was in Good to Great, um, where they talk about big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, so set set stuff, set goals that are higher than you think you can attain, and you never know what happens to help you get there. So I hope this has helped you uh, reevaluate some things and take a look at it and, and make sure that you're setting your sights on great things because you're worth doing that. Thanks for listening into my story here. And, uh, you know, I think this is about as personal as it's going to get with this. Uh, so anyway, until next time, be sure you're living the fit life formula. That's three days a week of something you love to do, two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, sorry for the anticlimactic ending. I did take a look at that quote. The BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, is from Built to Last uh, by Jim Collins. So I wanted to make sure I cleared that up and uh, did not give credit to good to great, but as Jim Collins built to last. So thank you. Have a great week.